Welcome to Be Advised, Leading with Value with Brad Swinehart. In this podcast, we will focus on successful marketing methods for advisors that generate prospects and clients. We will learn from the best in the industry on how advisors in the trenches today are growing their practices. Join us for this journey where Brad draws from years of expertise and guest experts to help advisors reach their full potential. There are specialty practices, and there are specialty practices, where you find a professional population that could use unbiased and objective planning and investment advice. Brad Swinehart is talking to Adam Schmela, an advisor who has identified one of those specialty populations. Adam is a podcaster in his own right as host of 2020 Money. In this episode of Being Advised, Leading with Value, Brad will peer into Adam's experiences, not just with optometrists, but others in the healthcare field. And now, Brad, you can explain that. Thank you very much for being here, Adam. Um, and just a little background, Adam and I actually met to discuss um, one of our other series that White Glove runs, a In the Trenches video series. And we got to talking for five or 10 minutes and I was like, nope, this is this needs to go on the podcast because the, <laughs> the information that you're sharing is just far too valuable to limit it down to 10 minutes. So um, thank you very much for uh, joining me again on this podcast, Adam. You're welcome, Brad. Thank you for uh, thank you for being or thank you for having me, and uh, happy to be here. So, just for everybody that's listening to, what about? Can we just get an overview of your practice, of your success? You know what you've seen as far as growth in the past few years. Yeah. So we've uh, I, I've been what I consider basically for the first ten years of my I've been doing this now coming up on fourteen years, and for the first ten years I was an ac- accidental success advisor. Uh, I had what I would consider again to be kind of a dysfunctionally functional practice, and then it wasn't until I kind of got slapped up side the proverbial head, if you will, by my coach, Stephanie Bogan, who I was working with um, in her coaching program that made me realize that if you want the conditions of the success of your practice to change, or if you want, if you want the, if you want your practice to change, then you've got to re-identify and change the conditions of success that you're defining and how you're showing up in your practice. And I just realized that there was that there continued to be kind of diverging lanes between what I wanted and what I envisioned to be success for the practice and where I was showing up. And so about in, in 2018, I, as I effectively say, burned the ships, completely rebranded the firm to work with optometrists at our private practice. Now the, the, who I do my best work for as this target market and my niche has continued to evolve. Uh, I do my best work with optometrists that are private practice owners that are within five years of selling a practice to a private equity firm. Um, now we work with optometrists across all modalities of practice and across the spectrum, but that is where I have started to carve out a niche and, and, and have really been able to show up and do great work for clients that are practice owners and ideally again, selling to private equity within five years. Um, and, and since doing that in 2018, our business has doubled every single year and we're on pace to double again this year. So it really is, it, it, sometimes I pinch myself by it because the, the old adage of do good by doing well, it actually is pretty true. Like if you do things in a calculated way where we know what expected return we can get for the actions that we're taking, you can do some really, really, really great work for clients and consequently build a pretty successful practice and, uh, and life that you love in the process. And I love last time we spoke you said a, um, you said one line that has stuck with me ever since. And that is that you have a wait list of clients <laughs> that you have ideal clients that you said, nah, you know what, you're going to have to wait till July until I can work with you. And you, 
compare that to what you just said, which is just like the most hyper small niche I've ever heard of, right? Optometrists looking to sell their practice in five years to private equity, like blows my mind that there are now people waiting to have you manage their money or have you help them through that process. So obviously there is something that you've done that built up your credibility in the, in that field. And there's channels that you have used in order to really tap into that niche. So let's talk a little bit about that. What have you seen as far as channels to use that are most impactful when developing a niche? So, and I'm, I'm really religious and methodical about tracking this, right? Peter Drucker infamous management guru and expert. Um, one of my favorite quotes that I, that has always stuck with me is what gets measured gets managed and what gets managed gets improved. I don't know if that's the exact quote, but I'm, I'm close or I'm, I'm very, I'm paraphrasing very closely to that. And so we track all of, you know, the source of where these conversations and where these relationships are coming from. And for me, the top three channels that have driven the majority of the success in the growth of the firm has been through the writing that I do for national optometry publications. Uh, the podcast that I produce now 2020 money, we're currently, I don't know, we're recording this towards the end of March in 2021. And I think we're, we're over 120 episodes right now I've done. It is sidebar, the most consistent thing that I pretty much have ever done in my entire life. Uh, we have not missed a week since we went live in 2018. And so that consistency, right? The, the alliteration that I've come up with in content creation is that in content creation, consistency is key. And so we built our audience in 2020 money on a weekly show uh, the writing that I do for optometry publications. And then last, but certainly not least is there is an online community of optometrists about 10, close to 11,000 strong in which I am, uh, one uh, I'm, I'm an approved resource, if you will. They are graciously allowing me to play in their sandbox. And in that, I just, I give away as much information as possible. It's, it's kind of, uh, it, it, it counteracts what I think a lot of advisors think that their secret sauce is in that, oh, I can't give away the information. I can't get the, the information that I know and the knowledge that I have is the secret sauce. And I would tell advisors that are thinking that it's you're, you're, you're completely missing the point on that. The benefit of giving away, the more the, what I have found is that the more information that you give away, the better off you are in attracting the people that are going to that are going to seek out the knowledge and the wisdom that you have. And there's a difference between the knowledge and wisdom and the information, right? There's no shortage of information, but the more I have found that I give away that information, the better I attract those types of individuals. And I guess the last thing that I'd wrap up with those three, um, with those three sandboxes, if you will, that I'm playing in, they all have the common theme. Well, maybe the podcast doesn't entirely because I kind of created my own sandbox, but the other two, the distinction that I made and what I was very intentional about doing is I didn't want to go find golden eggs, right? If I think of my, my ideal client as a golden egg, right? The ideal, the, the, the every advisor out here would love to have a client list of 50, 75, 100, 125, whatever your envision, what you, whatever you envision success from a client roster, you'd love that to be filled with your ideal clients as golden eggs, right? I didn't want to try and create content to go find golden eggs. I wanted to try and create content and go where the golden geese are that have already, that have all these golden eggs, right? So I wanted to try and play in someone else's sandbox rather than trying to create all these other different sandboxes on my own. And the benefit of having the podcast is that I can cross pollinate the content that I've created on the podcast within these other platforms, which have in inevitably led to 
the dissemination of the information that I've created in the podcast in these communities and in these environments and in, the, in these social channels that are that already exist. So um, it is a very what I would consider to be a a modern, so to speak, way of doing that. Um, you know, I'm not doing bulk mailers. I'm not networking. I, well, I am networking, but in the optometry space. So it is a little bit more forward thinking that maybe than maybe a lot of other advisors have been doing, but gosh, it's, it's worked so well. I'm certainly not going to stop doing it. And this is why we needed to get you on the podcast. Cause you just <laughs> said about 17 things that I want to explore. So we'll kind of, we'll kind of deconstruct this. And one of the things that I know plagues some advisors that I talk to is giving away that information. And you just said, just give it away. The more you give away, the more they see you as an expert, the more they see you have the answers. And you're totally correct. That information is free and most people carry it around in their pocket, but knowledge and how to apply that information, that's what people are looking for. You know, no one hires a home builder because they have blueprints. They hire a home builder because they're going to build a house and you're going to have a place to live. So when you give away information, what should you focus on as far as, you know, secret sauce, strategic planning, overall concepts? What does that look like as far as, you know, many of the advisors I work with are a wealth of knowledge. Where should they start as far as giving away information? So I'll quote my friend Carl Richards here. And and this this quote, when I heard this, I'll never forget where I was when I heard him say this because it just, it smacked me upside the proverbial head. People don't care about your solutions. They care about their problems. And so every single piece of content that we create here, every single article that I write, every single podcast that I produce, every speaking engagement that I'm privileged to be able to share with the optometry community, it's not, hey, I know all this stuff. It's it's what problems have I solved? What problems have clients brought to me already? What problems have I observed in, in just understanding the business of optometry? What problems have I heard uh, one optometrist talk to another optometrist about at a conference? What problem, when I broke into the optometry space, I went through a process of interviewing some of as many ODs as I could, not from a prospecting standpoint or not from a, Hey, I'd like, you know, I'm an advisor, give me your money. <laughs> a little bit gentler, right? <laughs> but, but it was, I'm, I'm interested in learning more about your profession. I'm learning, I'm interested in learning more about the nuances of the profession. What are some of the challenges and obstacles that optometrists are facing right now? What are the challenges that practice owners are facing? What problems are they looking to have solved? What, you know, if I talk to an OD that, that sold their practice, one of my favorite questions was, if you could go back and do it over again, what would you do differently? Right. What did you learn through this experience that you wish someone would have told you from the get-go from the very beginning? So with that information, I'm not writing and creating content based off of what I know. I'm writing and creating content and solving problems that are out there that have been identified by optometrists. And and the and the nice thing about social media and and the 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 low barrier to entry, so to speak, on accessing information, like you said, Brad, there's a very distinct difference between information and knowledge, is that there's no shortage of being. Uh, there's no shortage or excuse for lack of a better word as to why an advisor couldn't find that information. And if you're concerned about, I can't give away the farm, I can't give away that information. Let me just, let me wrap up this answer with, uh, with this statement and, and, and curious to hear your thoughts on it, Brad, is that would, 
when when you think about the fact that you don't want to give away information because you feel like that's your secret sauce, a I would I would challenge you and say that is a scarcity mindset. That's you operating from the principle or from the place of saying, "Oh, I can't give it away because this person might not work with me." Well, newsflash, genius, they weren't going to work with you in the first place. Okay, if giving them the information, I basically broke down consumers and, and potential clients into one of three categories. And, and I don't know if this is coined somewhere, maybe I need to coin it and figure out how to, how, how to get it out there in the advisor, in the advisor. But from a con, from a content standpoint, people basically fall into three camps that I've observed. There's your right away, your Sunday and no way, right? The right away people, when they come across your content, they are ready to take action right now. So make it easy for them to take action. The second time, the second people, the Sundays are the people that are probably looking for help, but there might, for whatever reason, there's not a triggering event. It's not high enough on the priority list to take action on it right now. So you need to have a system and an ecosystem in place so that they think of you first, last, and always when it now moves up on that priority scale. And then the last group of people, your no ways or your never, your, your never people, your no way people, those are your do-it-yourselfers. And those are the people that advisors typically think that they don't want to give away the information to because, oh, well, if I just give away the information, then they're going to go do it on their own. And, and that's where, like I said, not to sound too you know, condescending to, to the audience, to the listener here, but newsflash body or newsflash listener, like they, they weren't going to do it themselves anyway. So just give it away and demonstrate your credibility and your expertise to the first two camps of individuals that are looking for someone to solve this problem either right away or someday. Does that make sense? Makes total sense. And we'll say, or I've said often in the past too, when it comes to even seminars or, you know, doing webinars, doing prospect, you know, meetings, that sort of thing, that there's, there's two opportunities to, to pick up clients when you're speaking to a prospect and same mentality, right? Lead with education, lead with value, hence the name of the podcast. But the idea is either you can create that light bulb moment for them by illuminating something that they didn't know they needed. You know, if, if they had a concern, they came and listened to you, you know, maybe they listened to you about taxes and retirement or estate planning or something like that. But if you highlight, Hey, this is, this is a light bulb you really should turn on and pay attention to. If you can do that with them through an effective presentation, through giving away information, then they're going to be a client for life because you are now that person that provided that clarity to them. The second option is, you know, giving that information away totally for free, educating them. They're still going to see you as a professional. Maybe that light bulb didn't turn on. Like you said, maybe there isn't a life event just yet that triggers them. But when that light bulb does turn on in the future, if you are still top of mind, if you can stay in front of them in a very value add, non-salesy, non-pushy, informative way, then you're the only person they're going to think of doing business with. And I totally agree that there's there are people out there that just are not going to do business with you anyway. And it doesn't matter if you give them all the information or none of the information, they're still not going to do business with you. Well, and and I heard uh, Michael Kitts has talked about this on, on, I don't remember the exact place of the conversation that I heard this with, but he talked about obviously his any reader of of, of Michael's work knows you know, extremely long form, extremely technical, extremely detail oriented, and so for the for the do it yourself investors that consume his content, those are the people that friends tend to go to to ask questions on this stuff, and eventually that friend is like, oh, I I don't you know. <laughs> In, in a roundabout way, they basically tell their friend, look, I can't help you. Your situation's too complex. Look, I learn everything that I 
that I know from this guy over here that writes this, this blog post, you should reach out to him and his firm to see if they can help. Now, I don't have exact examples of that working in my practice yet, but can't like, I don't need that. That would just be added bonus on top of, on top of the demand and on top of the, the wait list of, of clients that we have right now. But it is something to also consider because so much of the decisions that you make in your practice and how you show up on a daily and dare I say, even hourly basis are based off of your mindset and how you're viewing yourself in your business and the value that you bring to the relationships that you serve. And if you think of yourself as one that provides value and think of the world from an abundance mindset, it makes it a lot easier to make these decisions and be confident and comfortable in giving away that information instead of operating from the scarcity mindset of thinking, oh, I've got to hold on to this information because that's the value. Again, newsflash, it's not. And he said it again. I don't know if you guys caught that, but it always just, I always get taken aback when you say that wait list for clients. <laughs> so, and, and that's what we're talking about today, right? We want to help other advisors get to that point. And I think, I think there's absolutely a position and a spot in the industry for hyper local, hyper refined niches like you found in your, in yourself. But a lot of the, the items that you've talked about, a lot of the things that you've, you've seen success with doesn't necessarily have to be hyper-localized. It can be, you know, if you use that same mentality, focus on problems of the, of the ideal person that you want to help, not a presenting a cookie cutter solution, and then find ways that you can present yourself as a credible educator, thought leader, even though that word is so overused, but <laughs> find a way that when people are looking for someone with knowledge, they find you. And when they're looking for information, you can provide it. And that is a way to have people reaching out to you. And I well, always go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, and it doesn't have to be hard, right? To your point, Brad, it, it the the thing I, I know, I know you're an action oriented podcast, right? We want to make sure that advisors have actionable items to take away from this. And the, and the funny thing is that you, you don't have to completely reinvent the wheel here. People have done this before, right? I've done it from a pod. So if you're interested, check out our podcast, right? Go scroll the episodes and look at, look at some of the content that we're creating around the optometry community. Obviously it's not going to be relevant to your target market that you're going to, but the, the, hire a podcast producer to help you produce the show leverage, you know, one of my favorite books and, and the method of how I'm embracing 2021 is uh, you know, what am I solving for and who, not how gets me there, right? Who, not how great book by Dan Sullivan. And this, and it's this idea of as the advisor, take peace and comfort in knowing that you don't have to figure it all out yourself. You don't have to, to do the soup to nuts, A to Z method of whatever strategy that you're looking for, because two things, number one, you're not the first person to do it. Number two, on the, on the heels of that, someone has already done it. And unless they invented it and did every single step themselves, they can introduce you to resources that have helped them get successful. I don't produce my own podcast. I don't write my own show notes. I don't post it on social media. Like all I do is hit record and do the interview very similar to, I think what you do, Brad, right? So there are resources out there. You don't have to know how to build the watch, but you do need to know how to tell time and you do need to begin with the end in mind. And so pick one, don't think that you have to do a podcast and then you have to do a blog and then you have to do a video series and then you have to do in-person networking. And then you have to do event, like just start somewhere. One of my, one of my friends in my mastermind group, He's like, just don't let the action be nothing. I'm paraphrasing what she, what Tiffany says, but it's like, just don't let nothing be the action that you take. 
So sorry, I went off on a little rant there, but I see advisors get paralyzed. They get into paralysis by analysis. And I just want to emphasize that it doesn't have to, you don't have to figure it all out in the very beginning. And it doesn't have to be, um, you know, climbing the mountain in the first step. Does that make sense? Makes total sense. And yeah, I've over the last probably 12 months, I've spoken on quite a few virtual summits, advisor training events, and very often at the end of this, these events, right? Multi-day, full-day events, advisors just feel overwhelmed. Like, well, what do I do first? And my answer is always the same. Is it doesn't, it almost doesn't matter, right? Pick one thing that you learned that you think is going to be beneficial and just do it. Like take action, you know, researching things, learning about uh, possibilities, learning about what's out there that will not change your life. That will not change your practice. Taking action absolutely will. And I 100% believe in that when we circle back to what you were talking about earlier, and that you can only manage what you track and you have to pay attention. It's, it's far too often I talk to advisors that they have no idea where their leads are coming from. They have no idea where, um, what the ROI on a, a particular initiative was because it's shiny object, right? And, and that's kind of the industry that we're in is what new hot thing can I try today that will, will be great for me? And then even if it's great, you're almost still looking for that next thing as opposed to, you know, rinse and repeat. And that's something that, you know, we specialize in seminars now and webinars and we do, we do podcasting for advisors. We do social media management. We do all of those things, but it all is a process. There's no quick fix here. It's all a, a system that you have to get in into and give dedication for it. If I'm talking to an advisor that's never done a seminar before and they said, well, I'm going to give one a try. I'm, I'm probably going to tell them don't bother. You know, if, if you wanted to give four a try, if you want to make this a part of your practice and get good at it, get good at the follow-up, make sure that you're, you're optimizing all your opportunities, then yes, then we're a good fit. If you just want to try something and move on to the next, it's probably, it's probably not going to work out in your favor. Um, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you're exactly right. You have to, and, and tracking, it doesn't need to take a lot of time. I mean, the, the, we track everything. I mean, honestly, where all that data came from that I talked about the sources, you know, we did 61 triage calls last year in 2020. Um, already in 2021, if I pulled that number, and again, what this is booked out until June, we've got a, a number of appointments already on the book for June. I will have 31 triage calls already scheduled year to date. Um, we've got our conversion numbers, right? Out of those 31, I've done 23 plan presentations. So what is that? 23 into 31, that's a pretty decent conversion rate. And then out of that, we've had had so far. And again, a lot of those triage calls haven't even happened. We've already brought on eight clients here to date. So all of this work, I'm getting this from Acuity, which is our online scheduling tool. And then we built in a form, which when, when clients or when, excuse me, when prospective clients schedule a triage call with us, which is our introductory call, um, we, we have a form on that, on that appointment that allows them to check the box of how did they hear about us? And that's easily exportable, exportable. Am I making up a word? Uh, <laughs> I like it. I mean, Sport. we like can it. export Exportable. that information. There we it's go. Exportable. <laughs> yeah, I like it. <laughs> we can export that information because this this is where the ready fire aim approach to marketing comes into play. In that, okay, execute on something. To your point, play the long game. A lot of what I'm talking about here, it's in, it's actually kind of paradoxical how advisors in the world that pound the drum of. You know, it, it takes time to build wealth. It's the long game. Don't make rash decisions, blah, blah, blah. But then when it comes to marketing, squirrel, right? We, we catch fairy dust and we get so distracted and we do things three times and it doesn't work. And then we think that, that, that that's not the way to do it. So drink some of your own Kool-Aid. The same principles that apply to investing also apply to marketing. 
it's not that difficult to do. It just takes a lot of consistency over time, right? It's kind of like geography or it's kind of like uh, geology, right? Pressure and time, same thing, same premise, same premise applies here. But once you execute on something, you have to be able to measure how successful is that? And what do you have to pivot? We found a few things over 2020 that we were doing inefficiently that has, that we made a change and had as it has directly contributed to our conversion rate of bringing on new clients. So you have to have that data and you don't have to build a whole new CRM to do it. Just think about the tools that you're already using in your tech stack and think about how you can build that data into the, in, into the, uh, into the arrows that you're already carrying in your quiver. So we talked about giving away information. We talked about focusing on problems, not presenting a cookie cutter solution. We talked about some of the media outlets that you're using very successfully with your podcast and, and publications, um, as well as online communities networking through there. One thing that I'd love to ask you about is, how important is it that when a prospect searches you, that you show up credible online? And I'm assuming the answer is very important. So with that, how do you manage to do that? So <laughs> um, I'm going to show some true colors here because if I have one area of our um of my platform that is probably in need of some good attention, it's our on when I say on well, like when I hear you say online presence, am I, can I make the correct assumption that you're talking about like Google search rankings, or if someone just Googles integrated planning and wealth management, one comes up, or if they Google Adam Schmela, what comes up? Is that what you're talking about? Essentially. Yeah. Someone hears you, they read a publication on you and they say, you know what, I might want to do business with this guy. And I'll, uh, I'll jump to what I'm talking about too, is that, you know, 70% of those prospects are going to look you up on LinkedIn first before right. they ever do business with you. So how important have you found that with the efforts that you're doing? You have to, yeah, it's, it, again, to your point, Captain Obvious statement here, it's incredibly important that you make sure that all the digital profiles that you have are singing to the same sheet of music, right? When you go to my LinkedIn profile, it says helping optometrists purpose, purposely plan their professional and personal life. Um, a little alliteration there, but the reason that I put that in the bio of, or I forget what it's actually called on LinkedIn, the reason that I put that there is so that when I'm on LinkedIn commenting on either clients or other relationships that I have in the optometry field, when I'm commenting on their posts and other ODs that are seeing who's commenting there, if they're going into comment, they see this Adam Schmela CFP guy commenting. It's like, who's he doesn't have OD after his name. What is he? Oh, helping optometrists purposely plan. Their, well, click on the profile. Like it, you, you think through these little backdoor ways that you can bring yourself to the credibility in the forefront of the people that are interacting in the same sandbox as you, you're kind of blindly wandering in the dark with them because you're not completely connected, but yet again, you're still playing the same sandbox. So you have to make sure that the message that you're putting out there is consistent, right? If I had dentists on LinkedIn, pharmacists on Facebook, um, high net worth individuals on Twitter and 2020 money as a podcast, well, that's an inconsistent message. So that's, that's branding and marketing 101, dare I say, but it's, it's incredibly important where I was going um, to, to, to wrap up that question was the, the one thing that I need to do a better job of working on is website, dare I say ranking, or just like the completeness. Like I don't, I don't put really any effort into search engine optimization or our Google ranking, how Google likes me. I know our bounce rate is higher than what it should be. Um, but candidly, and anybody that says that is important, <laughs> that's a kind of backhanded response, but until I have a wait list of prospects taking me nine weeks out into the future, it's not really going to be a concern of mine. 
And like you mentioned earlier, this isn't new. If if this is something that is important, there's companies out there that do that. You know, White Glove handles probably 75% of that, um, those things that you just listed there. And that's right. why we're in business, right? Because it's not because we're financial advisors or we're great with optometrists or anything like that. It's because we know what we're doing and those things are necessities. And I've always had the mentality that advisors should focus on speaking with prospects and meeting with clients and quit trying to be experts at all of that other stuff that you listed. And I've, I've talked to just hundreds of advisors that want to know all the details behind Google My Business and how do I claim this and how do I generate reviews and how do I look at my search engine optimization and and what do I do with LinkedIn and Facebook and and how do I market for seminars? And it's the answer is just pay somebody to do that. 100%. You, know, you, you make more money working with new prospects and clients than you do learning to be a Facebook expert to know what Mark Zuckerberg's changing today. And quite honestly, you're not going to be as good as it as someone like us or someone else in the industry that that's what they do for a living. I always kind of get um, cracked up just a little bit when I hear advisors ask, well, are you an advisor? Or we only want to work with people that are advisors. And I, and I always kind of think that's, you know, one, I get what they're saying. What they're really saying is they want someone that knows the industry, which is great because we're founded by advisors. But I also kind of think it's kind of funny, like an advisor doesn't go to a restaurant and say, well, I only want a steak cooked by that guy if he's an advisor, because he'll know how <laughs> advisors like to eat their steak. No, I want the guy that's the absolute best at meal prep and and cooking times and temperatures. That's the guy I want cooking my steak. I, if he knows who I am, that's great. He understands it. But that's just this, <laughs> that's a little pet peeve I get sometimes. Um, you know, but it a hundred percent is helpful when we have advisors at the helm of white glove to, to point us in the right direction. But we, we hire internally experts to do that. You know, we don't, we don't want a financial advisor coming in and running our Facebook ads. We want a financial, we want a Facebook expert running our Facebook ads. Um, so yeah, I, I love that though. And that does make total sense of, you know what, you focus on what's working and, you know, your three main outlets, your publications, your podcast, and those online communities seem to be working. And again, when prospects research you, and I've stalked your LinkedIn profile, it looks great. And, <laughs> and you're right, though, it's advisors need to look at that as a, as a mini advertisement or a resume that wherever they're interacting with or whenever people find them, they should have a full, complete profile that has everything you need to know about you on there without them ever having to pick up the phone. Well, in newsflash, I mean, again, backhanded statement to advisors. So hopefully it doesn't come off too brash or you can cut it out if it does. <laughs> being a fee-only fiduciary is not a differentiating factor. Be, being a, uh, you know, we are a fee-only wealth advisor firm. We don't take compensation or commissions from anything other than our, like, I'm sorry, but yeah, okay. Join the tens of thousands of other advisors that are in the exact same business and modality. So fee-only maybe used to be somewhat of a calling card. X number of decades ago, um, but in the advent and, and in the the exodus that we've seen from the BD channel and all of, and, and a lot of advisors, myself included, right? Uh, that was my path as um, from the, uh, uh, brokerage firm to independent BD to now standalone fee only RA. Like you, you need to have that ideal client avatar and fee only and fiduciary are not going to be, that's just not going to cut it. And you have to have, to your point, you have to have someone that can help you. If you don't have the wherewithal and the acumen, which is fine to your point, your job is to be an advisor first and foremost to your, to your, to your clients. I didn't do all this stuff. I have people around me. I have a team that helps me do that internally and externally. And so find yourself and surround yourself with those individuals and outsource that information or outsource that heavy lifting and responsibility 
And that's a whole nother conversation in and of itself, how advisors value their time and the false sense of productivity that they have thinking that, oh, well, I worked today because I helped uh, increase, I installed Yoast SEO in my WordPress domain to hopefully increase my blog rankings with Google. Like if you think that's where your value add as an advisor is and where you should be spending your time, then candidly, again, we need to have a deeper conversation, but I'm probably pushing some buttons here. So I'm going to shut up. <laughs> well, and, and it's, and it's a perspective, right? Because you are successful. You have a wait list of clients and you're just sharing that, Hey, this is, this is what I focus on. Yeah. And white gloves in the business for the same reason. Like you should focus on talking to prospects, meeting with clients. We'll do everything else. And what's interesting too, when you um, talked about being a, a fiduciary is if you look back at that, what we were talking about earlier, and that's focusing on the problem, not presenting a solution. It, it's in that same mentality, right? What you're doing there on, if you're saying I'm a fee only uh, fiduciary is you're presenting a solution um, as opposed to focusing on the problem that you are willing to help them solve. hundred percent. And I think that that just speaks to exactly what we've been talking about this whole time. So Adam, let's let's just wrap up here. This has been an amazing episode. I think we should get you on like two or three more. Um, <laughs> I always just love talking to you. It's a lot of fun. But if you had just one action, right? This is all actionable items. One actionable item that someone that listened to all of our ramblings today, um, what should they take away from this to say, you know what, let's do this today and start making a difference? What would you recommend? Identify the problem that you're going to solve and and the and the 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 the, the behind the scene or the the, the real action behind that is identify who you do, who you want to do and who you enjoy doing your best work for, right? Identify your target market. I know this whole profession has been pounding the niche table and, and, and I'm living proof of it. Yes, I am on a pulpit here trying to preach just how important it is because I've seen firsthand the benefits of doing that. So identify who you do your best work for. What problems did you help solve them? What problems of theirs did you help solve? Or if you've identified a group of individuals, a, a profession, a company, um, a, a sociodemographic niche, however you're defining that niche, and you don't have individuals in that in that sandbox, so to speak, then then start interviewing people to figure out what those problems are. Because the narrower you can take that focus, the easier it will be to create that content. The more content that you create, the easier it becomes to attract people to you instead of chasing them. So figure that out first. Who do you, who do you do your best work for and what problems can you help them solve? I love it. Thank you very much for being on the show today. And I'm sure we will definitely have you back. This is a sounds, lot of fun. Sounds good, Brad. Thank you so much for, uh, for allowing me to share, share thoughts uh, with the audience. Thanks for, thanks again. Gentlemen, that was informative, insightful. And Adam, I love your comment. You don't have to know how to build the watch. Just be able to tell time. So many people need to learn that. Adam Schmela and Brad Swinehart. Subscribe to Brad's podcast, Be Advised Leading with Value, to make sure you get every new episode. And of course, share with others because they will be glad you did. Thank you for listening to Be Advised Leading with Value with Brad Swinehart. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Mike Love. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.